Okay, there we are. Okay, hello, uh, brothers and sisters. I know there's some sisters that are listening. Uh, but brethren, thank you so much for uh, listening today. Today's uh, podcast is titled Stewardship Mindset. And once again, this is Abraham with SDA Men on Fire. Uh, today's topic is going to be about finances. Because uh, more often than not, people view finances in a very self-destructive way, I might say. And big shout out to my friend Isaac, who gave me this idea to do this podcast. So thanks to him. Uh, now we're going to actually be talking about two pendulums here. And two ways people look at money. Okay? Because some people uh, want to completely either either separate them, themselves from the thought of having money because they don't want to be seen as evil. They don't want to be seen as uh, these people that take advantage of other people to gain wealth because that's how they see it. And now there's the other side of the pendulum where in the name of provision, of being a godly provider, you put your work or your money before everything else. And I'm going to be sharing with you guys my story and how I was able to come to this perfect, not perfect, I'm sorry, I was able to come to this balance. There's a Christ-centered balance for both people, if you're listening. If you're part of the people that think money is evil, there is a lesson here for you today. Or if you're part of the people that say, I am working for a cause, so that's why I'm putting everything else in the back burner, then this message is for you too. Okay, so we're going to start out with the first pendulum, and that is that money is evil. There's a very common thought. There's a very common thought that uh, having wealth is seen like you're just this evil person. And usually that comes from people that um, can sometimes be a little bit overpitious because they see they, they look at the Bible and they, they read about the rich young ruler or they read about the Pharisees. And they automatically assume, you know, if you have money, then that means that, number one, you're selfish. Number two, you are evil. When in fact, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says that it is not money, which is the root of all evil, but it is the love of money, which is the root of all evil. The Bible verse says exactly, I'm quoting from the King James Version, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Now, first of all, this, this verse here, number one, it's addressing the love of money. Because it's talking about that some coveted after it and they erred from the faith, pierced themselves through many sorrows. And I, I am example A. I have pierced myself with many sorrows. And so I came to, to put money in the right perspective, in the right priority. But the problem here is, is that a lot of people see money as evil, but when in fact it's the love of money. This is referencing covetousness, because covetousness is the first sin which started with Lucifer. He was coveting the Most High. He says, I want to be like the Most High. I want to set my star up there too. 
But it is covetousness that this is addressing, my friends. So we're going to address covetousness a little later. But first, we're going to talk about this mindset that money is evil. When in fact, it's only a vehicle or this neutral tool which can use can be used for good or it can be used for evil. Councils on Stewardship says, When rightly employed, wealth becomes a golden bond of gratitude and affection between man and his fellow man, and a strong tie to bind his affections to his Redeemer. Can you imagine that? Having wealth that becomes a golden bond of gratitude and an affection between man and your fellow man entices you into a stronger bond of affection to your Redeemer. Can you imagine that being you? That's a possibility. Some people say that money, you know, if you become rich, it's going to change you. You're going to change. But some people that have been through that journey say that that wealth is like a magnifying glass. Okay, it magnifies your character. It exposes what is already there. Whether you're faithful, unfaithful, selfish, or unselfish, it just magnifies it so others can see it more. So if you're already just spending all your money in, you know, so, you know, selfishness pretty much, then it's not going to be any different when you have more. But if you're using the little money that you have to give to others, to give to God, then God can trust you with more and you're going to be able to use that to a bigger extent. A good example of that is in Matthew chapter 25 with the, with the faithful and the unfaithful steward. To one of them he says, Well done, good and faithful steward. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. This guy came, he gave him talents, and he was able to reproduce them. Duplicate it. And he called him a faithful servant. And because he was good with this amount of talents that he gave him, he multiplied it. The servant multiplied it. And God made him ruler over many things. Now there's this other bad servant, which was called the wicked and slothful servant. Because instead of being resourceful, instead of using God's gifts and blessing others, in this case, in this case, the talents here are talking about money. Because when the wicked, slothful servant comes and says, you know, I pretty much hid because I was scared. I hid, the, I hid these things in the ground. And he says, you should have put it at least uh, in the bank to get usury or to, or to gain interest. So you would have given this back to me with interest. But instead you hid it on the, on the ground. You did nothing with it. Therefore he's called the wicked and slothful servant. And then he goes on to, to say this really powerful line. Which sums everything up. It says, For unto everyone that hath shall be given. So if you have a lot, you're going to be given more. And he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not. So if you don't have very much, shall be taken away even that which he hath. Now this is a really powerful quote because it just, first of all, when I first read this, I was like, what? This is crazy. How is this justice? How is this fair? That to him who has more, 
he gives more. And to him who has nothing, he takes away even more. How is this fair, I thought? Well, there's a powerful, powerful lesson to be read here. What are you doing with God's resources that he gives you your time, your money, your body, your wealth? That's why this, this podcast is entitled Stewardship Mindset. Because although we are tackling uh, bad mindsets about money, this really encompasses everything that God has made you a steward over. If you have the right mindset towards it, to glorify God, to be resourceful, to work hard, and to give it to the Lord, then God can bless you and multiply it and call you up even higher if you're faithful. But if you're squandering what little that He's given you, He's going to take that away. You're going to have less and less and less and less. But, man, I feel like as a church or as men that are on fire for Jesus, we need to be shooting to be the highest standard to be used by God. When it comes to resource, resourcefulness, faithfulness, and in doing God's will. Because if God can trust you, man, He can bless you. And you see this in the life of Daniel the prophet. You, you see that God was able to trust him. So he, he puts Daniel as a ruler. He becomes a ruler. Same thing with Joseph. You know, when I think about their life and how blessed they were or how God blessed them, basically from rags to riches, and he was able to use them powerfully. They were, they were not only just men that were rulers and good at business, but they were prophets. I think about the Bible verse in Matthew chapter 6, 33, where it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now when it comes to money, it is true that more often than not, wealth can become a, a hindrance. The reason is, is because selfishness can be stronger than selflessness most of the time. Actually, in Councils on Stewardship, it says, Selfishness is the strongest and most general of human impulses. The struggle of the soul between sympathy and covetousness is an unequal contest. For while selfishness is the strongest passion, love and benevolence are too often the weakest. And as a rule, the evil gains the victory. Now I could see why a lot of people could have this kind of could have this kind of mindset towards money that it is evil. Because more often than not people are becoming ruined by it with selfishness. But what if there's a way to to be systematic about worshiping God with your finances? What if there was a way to glorify God in a way where He can be first and where He can bless you and where it can help keep your selfishness at check? 
what God has given us is. And it is through two things, my friends. Number one, tithe. Number two, the Sabbath. Now, why do I say that the Sabbath and tithe? How are they connected? Well, you'll be pretty surprised that the very same language is used concerning the Sabbath as in the law of the tithe. You know, for the Sabbath says, The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In like manner, it says, A tithe of our income is holy unto the Lord. So those two things that can actually help you keep check, keep in check your covetousness and make sure that you're putting God first while you're working hard six days a week and being a faithful steward. How is it that tithe and the Sabbath do these things? Well, number one, let's address the concept of both of these things. Number one, tithe. You're giving back to God a specific amount that is His. And I've remembered and I've seen a lot of times, you know, when you don't have much, tithing can be, you know, easy. Like to say, you're only making $100 a week. Well, here's $10 back. Not a whole lot. But as God starts to bless you, if you have 100000 $10,000 all of a sudden seems, whoa, this is getting heavy here. But it's keeping in check the amount of money that you're making. It says, hey, you might be making more, but God still requires the same amount back, the same percentage. And it is there to remind you that God is your provider. He's your sustainer. He's your redeemer and He's your creator. And that is rightfully His. So it keeps in check. Number two, the Sabbath. The Sabbath, it says, Six, six days you shall work and do all thy pleasure, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord. So the second one is dealing with time. It is dealing with time. Because six days you're out there working. You're working hard, you're studying, you're strategizing, making business plans, doing investments, whatever it is that you're doing. For six days, he says, you can do this, but on the seventh day, you need to snap out of it and just give it to me because the seventh day is mine. And that's a really good test uh, for yourself to see where your mind and your heart is. If, if Friday night comes and the Saturday and Sabbath is coming and you're still thinking about work, school, investments, business, whatever it is, and you're still thinking about these things, you know that your heart and your mind is not in the right place. So during the week, you have to go back and make sure that you're putting God first so that when the Sabbath comes, you're excited to spend that day with Him. So it is a test. And these two things, my friends, are actually the most basic tests, which sadly a lot of us have failed. But he gives us this as a systematic way to be able to guard you against covetousness and remind you that God is first. And in that way, God can bless you with more. Now I'm going to share with you my story. And how it came to the point of treating myself like an ATM machine and worshipping Maimon. 
Now, sometimes it can happen by not being mindful of these things. When I first got married, I, I kind of dove in into working and just, you know, trying to make as much money as I could. So I could make my wife comfortable. Or I can give her everything that she wanted or she needed. <laughs> and so I came in with this mindset of, you know, just being the provider and just wanting to provide. And although that is a righteous goal, I started letting myself go slowly. Little by little, I, I started noticing that because I was working 12 or 14 hours a day, I was too tired to try to have devotions. I would fall asleep while trying to read scripture. And so little by little, I kind of stopped trying. Until one day I looked back, six months into this new job, and I realized that I can't remember the last time I had devotions. Now, within two years of living like that, my spiritual life was completely dissipated. And my health, I had become about 75 pounds overweight. And I was feeling more and more exhausted. I had lost my connection with God. I had completely defiled His temple. And to top it off, my marriage was slowly dying. Because I was just having no time for anything else. I was treating myself like all I was good for was making money. I was an ATM machine. That's all I did. I had no time for spiritual life, no time for health, no time to exercise, and no time for my wife. And everything else was suffering. But I was always justified. I was justified. I was like, oh, this is all for my family. This is a very unrighteous justification to put everything else or to put your work or your money or anything else like that before God. That, my friends, is considered maimen worship. Because you might not be intentionally worshiping maimen, but by the way that you're living your life and putting everything in the back burner and putting God in the back burner, your family, your health, God's temple. If you're putting it in the back burner. Because you're quote unquote being a provider. And this could happen to you if you're at school. If you're going to school or if you're going to uh, you know, work. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an investor. Like if you're putting all these things before your God. Before his temple. Before your marriage. You are worshiping Maimon. And that's the spot where I was a little more than a year ago. When I finally just blew up. And there I was, just over-exhausted, obese, backslidden Adventist whose marriage was falling apart. And I came to this place, I think the, the biggest thing that hurt me was the fact that I was not in ministry and I was not serving God. I remember crying out to Him 
was just begging him with tears in my eyes. Lord, I've been in ministry. I've partaken of this fulfillment before. Help me come to that again. Because there's four ways that a man finds fulfillment. There's four ways. Whether you're a, whether you're a man or a woman, there's four ways you can find fulfillment. Number one is having a personal relationship with God. Having that spiritual aspect in your life can be the most fulfilling thing, even if you have no family or they've all left you behind. Even though you're dying on a bed and even if you're broke, but if you have God, if you have a good relationship with God, then it can be the most fulfilling thing in the world. The second most fulfilling thing in the world is having a family that loves you no matter what. Is having a good relationship with your immediate family. The third most fulfilling thing is taking care of God's temple. And I have seen that as an Adventist man, we have taken that meaning and and kind of falling really low on that standard into just saying, oh, I'm, I'm vegan, so I'm good. And there's so much more than that, so much more than that. But at the very bottom, at the very, very, very bottom, and that's conditional, is wealth. Because if you don't have any of the things prior to you, wealth becomes nothing. There's more people that commit suicide that are rich because they don't have any fulfillment. fulfillment. Any real passion for life because they ha- their disappointment is that much bigger when they finally make it and have all this wealth and they realize that, that they're just as empty. That's because they have been worshipping Maimon this whole time. And they finally realized how deceived they are. My brother, if you're in any of this, in any of these situations, I have a step-by-step strategy you can take to start to get yourself out of this pit that you have put yourself in. In this place where you maybe have not realized that you have been worshipping Maimon this whole time. It's very simple. It's very simple. Number one, let's start with the basics. Let's start with the basics. Tithe. Number two, keep the Sabbath. Not just keep it with your actions, but look at what you're thinking. Where is your mind on the Sabbath? Number three, put God first and step out in faith. If you know you're in a situation where you can't glorify God, where you can't maintain His temple, and where you can't keep taking care of your marriage, then you're not in the right place. You're not in the right place, whether it is the amount of classes you're taking on at school, whether it is the kind of job that you have, whatever it is. Break that idol down. 
and step out in faith. Because you need to be a leader and an example in righteousness and with your business. God has such a high standard. And it's not just that He has a standard, but He wants to use you to influence this world. And He has given us a systematic approach into keeping Him first so that He can lead you and guide you and bless you so that He can all these, add all these things unto you. When you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He wants to use you. Think of Daniel. Think of Joseph. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 29 says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. My friends, be faithful. Be faithful in this part. And you will have the influence to stand before kings. God bless. Take care.